a look back at the week on News Talk. Okay, so delighted to be joined by musician and Netflix star Haley Reinhardt. Haley, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? All good, all good, and very unusual moment in time given what's happening around the world. But how are you keeping? Whereabouts in the world are you? I'm in sunny LA, thankfully. Um, I'm taking a chance and doing this in. We have a cabin in the backyard. So if you hear any kind of crazy birds or hammering um, or if a spider suddenly comes and lands on my shoulder, sorry. But, <laughs> but this is, it's nice to be outdoors right now, you know, and take advantage of, you know, at least being able to be in your backyard and get some sun if you can. Are you the kind of person who can relax when they're at home or do you need to be busy all the time? kind of a mixture of both like even if I'm home I'll I'll have a mix between lounging and like making sure the the house is as clean as it can be and just getting really organized I actually just bought my first house like a year ago so I'm I'm still like unpacking so in a way I'm looking for the silver linings I'm kind of grateful that I have this time to just you know make this house what it it should be to me and you know just fully unpack I know Wikipedia is not the most reliable source of research, Haley, but I read there it says Haley Reiner is of German, Italian, and Irish descent. So, what what is the Irish part of that? I believe both of my parents have some Irish, and my um, my mom's maiden name was Miller. Uh, I wish I knew more. I totally visited multiple times. My sister Angela um, studied in Carlo and stayed there and we we went to visit her and then I went and played at do you say Waylands or Wheelands? Wheelands, yeah. Wheelands, yeah. That historical venue, it was so cool. Probably like my favorite show of the tour because everybody was just hooting and hollering and you know it was it was packed and it's such a you you can feel the the energy in that place immediately. So um we we stuck around and, and went all over Dublin and went to even Hollywood um Ireland oh yeah which is really, really unique and it took us on a this this man we met named Patty of course he <laughs> took us on this wild goose chase um to find Father Moore's well and um, a couple other amazing things that were on, in the countryside so I'm very much indebted I, I love Ireland I think it's one of the most beautiful places in all of the land I asked this but I was looking at some of your videos on YouTube and there's one where I think you're performing with your father and you're performing Blue by Leanne Rhymes and you mentioned that that was sort of like a, a sparking moment in your mind when you were younger that when you saw her performing I think it was at the Grammys that you thought I want to be like that so was that kind of the moment in your childhood or was there a few of those? There's definitely a few of them but I would say that that was kind of like the start of it all because I, I have that image in my head of sitting on the floor and my parents are sitting on the couch and we're all just watching Grammys I believe it was and she was so young and I immediately tried it maybe to myself but I knew I could yodel and I was like I could do that you know and they're like oh, 
that's so cute. I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, like whatever you show us. And then I did and they were like, Oh, okay. Like, so I, it's still kind of one of those songs that I, I go home to and sing in the clubs with them and get the, the crowd going. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool memory to have because it really did give me a lot of confidence in that moment to yeah. know that I could, I could, you know, do what she was doing perhaps. The reason I ask about that video in particular is you mentioned that you learned how to yodel from the Cranberries. Obviously a very influential band over here. Would you, would their albums have been in your house growing up? Most definitely. My babysitter growing up, she handed me a tape and it was like half the cure and half the Cranberries. And I was obsessed. Um, I love her voice so much. And the group was so unique and it was such a like, really like triumphant victorious kind of you know anthemic kind of sounds and as a kid that was really inspiring and um getting to flash forward and bring it full circle and do this mazda commercial recently um you know mazda wanted or you know some of the the creative team at least wanted it to be very different from that song and i i tried as much as i could to keep it um pay homage really and keep it similar uh, as much as I could because I believe that, you know, <laughs> songs that are iconic like that need to be addressed and kept um, somewhat the same so that people can, you know, know that you have the respect for it. It can also recognize it, obviously, but it's Dreams is such a beautiful song. It's probably my favorite one. So it was cool to record that and um, have it do so well out of nowhere, really. just in terms of your early beginnings so you grew up just outside Chicago and sort of steeped in music from the start so your parents actually met in a band is that right? They're still playing music together 45 years later and um, I just had a really quirky strange amazing upbringing of running around under tables as a young child um, talking to adults that were drinking and still smoking like it, it doesn't sound as conventional as some but I can't tell you how valuable that time was for me to not only be able to engage and speak to like the adult crowd which I love um but just to get up on a stage and and be able to 
to command it um, at a young age. And I was, I was scared, but I had this quiet, like inner confidence in me that I knew I would just be doing this forever. Yeah. And it's something, I think you've mentioned it yourself and other people have said it about you that you've got an old soul, quote unquote. So is that a musical thing, do you think? Or is that also like a spiritual, does that tie into your personality as well? It definitely ties into both. I think musically it's clear because I'm so in love with the 60s, 70s, 40s, 50s. I mean, I'm kind of really connected to mostly a, a lot of different eras. So, and I do jazz and kind of channel the 20s through the 40s and 50s and then my stuff between the 50s and the, you know, 70s and beyond. So, um, but beyond that, I think, I don't know, I am a spiritual person. So I feel rooted here and I feel like I know my duty is to bring a lot of these like different aspects of those times in today's world and kind of, um, especially the 60s, really further that whole unity and peace movement um, that they had. It was so strong back then. And just like uh, a sense of like rawness in the music that I miss from that time. Um, you know, there's a lot of just automated, um, you know, auto-tune kind of things going on. And I just, I think that we could do much better than that. And just in terms of your, so you would have had that taste in music growing up because your family were playing that music as well. But you obviously would have played into the more modern stuff. I think you said Britney Spears was your first concert. So it's not as if you weren't listening to that music as well. So oh, yeah. would you have been unique to your, in your friend group, for example? Would you have been the only one listening to older stuff? Yeah, I, I did listen to everything. So I, I was listening to the hip hop and rap and Aaliyah was one of my biggest influences. Britney, Christina, like all of those big voices did really leave an imprint on me in a, in a great way. Um, but that being said, I think that I was the only kid that was massively obsessed with the Beatles and, you know, knew Zeppelin and Rolling Stones and every, every classic rock band of the, you know, of that time. Um, and I did feel, I did feel a little displaced. I mean, I, I, as extroverted as I am, I also have these introverted ways of just feeling like, I remember writing poetry and I was super young and I'm like in class you know, kind of daydreaming, writing my signature out, trying to perfect it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I just feel like I'm wasting time here right now. Like, I want to be, I want to be writing. I want to be getting music out in the world. And that was just something I already knew being a 11, 12 year old, you know. Yeah. And when you left high school, you studied jazz for a little while. You mentioned jazz there specifically, and it's made a bit of a comeback. What was that like studying it? Did you pick up much from that, kind of getting into the roots of the of that genre? Yeah, it was really neat to get to know the greats and beyond just the singers like Ella and Billy, it went, I had a teacher that, that went deeper than that and really got to teach us about a lot of the musicians. And I did some really cool stuff in high school and college um, where, you know, I, the, I think the very first thing I did was um, learn like, like transcribe or not really, but like, mimic a, a Charlie Parker solo and just scat it instead and my dad was really impressed with that but at, at the same time my dad is the one who at a really young age was just like like when I was an infant just telling me to repeat everything that he was doing so he'd and I'd have to do the same thing back and that stuff 
no matter like he did a great job because that that just that seeps through you know and it's just kind of embedded in you and i didn't realize i loved jazz until i suddenly did that solo and sang with a big group and i think we did like stepping out with my baby from uh well a lot of people covered it but i love tony bennett and um and yeah and then i was just like oh wow like this stuff is powerful and um and it's kind of limitless in a way so it's kind of one of those things where again i feel like it's it's not jazz isn't dead <laughs> but i want it to to stick around and there's there's an underground world that's coming up like the jacob colliers and people like that that are keeping it alive and well and uh, i want to be one of those people um who gets to keep it in the forefront you know and you've got this obviously from this conversation so far this culture taste in music that goes back decades but most people would probably know you from American Idol which was about about 10 years ago 2011 and that's obviously a little bit more mainstream a bit more contemporary stuff so can you just tell me a bit about your decision to audition for that show and what the whole experience was like seeing Kelly Clarkson like a genuine face and voice that was so like excited to win that show it was like I, I was blown away by it and I was about 10 I think when it came out so I remember that moment too of just watching it on a very tiny tv in Wisconsin on vacation just like wow you know so um flash forward I just think as much like you have to take these shows and you have to um utilize the platform to its fullest but I've I've done my best um to work towards being known as as an artist without having to have american idol on the headline but that doesn't take away from the respect they have for the show and when i tried out tried out one year actually got through uh to the judges and um i didn't have a sad story so i was really just like you know hi i'm i just toured in in europe um, in Italy and um, in Switzerland doing Montreux Jazz Festival in Umbria. And they were like, who is, like Simon was just like not, you know, happening. He's like, I don't understand. You're really young. What is going on? And I'm like, I, uh, I don't know. I got a lucky break so far and now I'm hoping this is my next one. So I didn't make it past that. But I got a call the day before I auditioned the next year. And they wanted to let me know that they were holding auditions. So I, I was like, well, when are they? They're like, tomorrow. I'm like, okay. So it was one of those things where even though I was crushed the first time around and thought I would never go back, um, I was just like, well, this is happening for a reason. And in terms of the experience itself, so you were 20 at the time, finished third in the competition. And like, I think what most people would probably remember from that is um, why you've, you've been welcomed back to the American Idol family a lot in recent years and they, they're really happy to have you back. But at the time, it felt like they were a little bit tougher on you than the other contestants. Did you feel that yourself or was that the outside looking in? No, you're totally right. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was like looking back and even in the moment, as, as hard as it was to feel like things were just happening and they weren't really understanding who I was, um, or, you know, they, they really would just kind of tell me I didn't know who I was, but I did even at that point. It just, it's, it hasn't changed. I still do a million different genres and I'm not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. You know, like I, um, I want to be a trailblazer in that way. And I want to show people that they can have success 
in multiple genres. If you have things to offer the world and you have passions and you love different things, like there's no reason on earth that you should not be able to do that. Um, there's people out there obviously that are with the major labels, which I've been before too, but you know, they have to be in the one genre. They have to fit in the one box. Um, and that's just never been me. So I think, um, I think I found some really cool different avenues, um, where I could plant those different seeds and just be like, Hey, it's me. You know, like I, uh, I, I have no regrets about that at all. I mean, there is no better way to gain experience in a short amount of time. Like we all called it star boot camp. That's no like secret. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen it or people ask them and that's what they'll call it. Cause that's, that's what it was. And people think it's like an easy ticket. I don't, I don't get to talk about idol or I haven't in a while. Um, but you know, once again, it's just like, it's a ticket, but you have to work for it just as hard, if not harder, once that show ends to stay relevant and to continue to put out music that you want to put out. You know, it's, it's a, it's a long haul that I want to, I want to be in it for, I want longevity. So, you know, you just have to, you have to work really hard. And even some of your performances on that show, Benny and the Jets, which seemed like a really brave selection at the time. Like, I'm sure not many people like, would have picked that song. And yet it's one of the most viewed performances the competition's ever had. So were you very hands-on? I'm sure they were telling you to do a different song. And were you very hands-on even at that age to be like, no, this is the song I want to do. This is the stage production I want. Were you, you very much in control of that even back then? I always pushed for things. Um... I was, I got refused to do Led Zeppelin at one point, but I was like, well, I'm going to still push every week for that. If I can, if it fits the, the John or the theme yeah. rather, but, um, and then eventually I got to do it because I got maybe, I guess, far enough in the competition, but going back to, to many of the jets, I actually picked like two other songs because they give you a certain list that you can pick from. And okay. Um, the other contestants already picked the ones I wanted. I wanted to do Saturday, I think, which would have been silly. And also, um, um, the yellow brick road. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, a couple, a couple different ones I would have really <laughs> rather had. And Benny was like, for some reason I picked like last, I guess. And it was just there. And I'm like, these words are so obscure and really it's just a strange song. So yeah. the fact that. The coolest thing about it, though, which I don't know if I've told people, but I told my parents, I'm like, I called them up. I'm like, you guys, I don't know if this is like going to be the right thing, but uh, I'm, I'm stuck with Benny and the Jets. Literally, I kid you not, at that <laughs> same moment, Benny and the Jets started playing in the restaurant that they were in. Wow. And just, you know, I, I, I know everybody's got their, their different opinions in this life, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to trust in it now and like take it and run with it because signs like that are, are pretty cool.
the other notable thing from that show, Ailey, you obviously got to perform a Led Zeppelin song with your dad, which I, I presume that's the only time that's happened in the show where a contestant got to perform with their parents. So that must have been unbelievable. It was really cool. They, they nearly missed their flight. And my dad pretty much just sprinted on stage and like had to go on live television in front of millions of people. <laughs> so it was, um, it, was, it was a crazy whirlwind of an experience. It was like a tornado. Um, but it worked out. And I was, I was the first person to do that. I think since a couple more people have had maybe a family member. But I, I thought that was really, really cool that they honored that. That yeah. the show and the producers honored that at that time and made it happen. Because um, that was just, you know, my parents have been doing their thing for so long. I'm, I'm such a fan of them. And I know that they are so incredibly talented and the sacrifices they've made for me um, in order to be able to fly and do what I'm doing now. So if there's any opportunity for me to help them shine further, uh, I want to do that mm. for them. In the X Factor UK, One Direction are probably the biggest thing that came out of that competition over here. And they finished third as well. So they basically left the competition and decided where they wanted to go they didn't have to go down any route that the label was asking them to do. So similarly, you were very hands-on with your first album as well. You co-wrote it and co-produced all that kind of stuff. So you probably wouldn't have had that opportunity if, if things had gone differently. Yes, and even still, I fought to um, not just put out an album right away with other idols doing the same um, of covers or of um, you know non-original songs. I would be taking in songs from other people and. Um, I refused it. I, I really like, I just, um, I fought really hard to, and I was like, I, with all due respect, I really, really want to be uh, a writer on my very first album. Like that, that just means a world to me. And, you know, and Jimmy, I being honored that because I had this face to face conversation um, with him directly about it. So, you know, um, it, it could, it just everything works out how it should so i did record only one song which was free my first one that i didn't write but i did connect to it yeah and um you know and that was written by one of the most massive songwriters named busby who's now passed recently unfortunately um but you know a special special song a special time but i'm so glad i, I fought for that to be able to actually write and you know put my get my input in there one thing that comes with the territory when you leave a show like that, I presume, is a lot of comparisons. So people are just very keen to tell you who you're like or who you might be like. So over like just quick Google and the people you've been compared to, like Marilyn Monroe, Janis Joplin, Nora Jones, Amy Winehouse, Kareem Bailey Ray, these very different people. How do you approach those kind of comparisons? Well, it gives me a chills right now, honestly, just because those are all my favorite people. Like, those are all my favorite artists. So, obviously, I've been inspired by them. I've, I've um, recorded their songs. Um, and those are the type of people that I want to be associated with. So, the fact that you just listed them off, and even though it's an actress like Marilyn, I mean, she sings as well. Um, but, you know, it's just, it, it covers a lot of ground. And those are my favorite people. Those are my people. So, I'm, that makes me, like, really happy. One thing I do notice is that you definitely do a lot of covers of male artists as well. Do you th is that by design? Because we obviously Benny and the Jets, but 
some of your most famous stuff, like the the Elvis cover uh, for the extra ad, the stuff with postmodern jukebox, are predominantly through male artists. So you, they're obviously a lot more difficult to compare. So you're able to almost put your own spin on those songs without people being so easily able to compare them. Exactly, and I think it's also easier for me to just reinterpret it straight from from the get go. Um, I love, like, I really just go after recording songs that I, I connect to. Like, first and foremost, that's just important to me. I, I don't want to just record a song from today's day and age just because it's hot. If I don't, like, feel it like that, then it's just, it's not going to get the success that it, that it could get because I, I don't have any, you know, stake and, and emotion um, and connection to that song. So, Something like Creep, like I love that song. I love Radiohead. Um, and, you know, it's a song that I've already deeply connected to in the, in, during my, through my whole life. And it's such an emotional song anyway. So, and it's done by a guy. So it's like immediately a woman taking it on. It's going to be different, like you said. And I think it's just more fun. It's more fun to just take it on a totally different roller coaster ride. Um, and change it up, but still, you know, pay homage to that song. And postmodern jukebox, just for people who mightn't be aware, so basically they put like a retro spin on more contemporary songs, basically. So that sounds like a match made in heaven for you. That's you've been probably doing that since high school, anyway. Totally, and I'm I'm grateful that I waltzed into a club with my friend Casey Abrams one night and saw Scott Bradley and his postmodern jukebox at the time of band of musicians playing and I just sat in and uh, got up and sang all about the bass with them and like a couple weeks later we went on tour together all over the world so it was a really like vast you know experience um, and I'm grateful because it's kind of like when people ask me I, I think that it's easier for people to digest the kind of artist I am if I tell them that Postmodern jukebox is kind of like my alter ego. Like jazz is like my alter ego. You know, it's like it's this other part of me that's another character and piece of who I am. And you know, I'm I'm gonna keep doing it. So yeah, I have to find a name for her. <laughs> you were here before. You couldn't look you in the eye. You're just like an angel. Your skin makes me cry You float like a feather In a beautiful world I wish I was special You're so very special But I
you've got to convey that in your own music as well so what's that sound we spoke earlier about sort of being an old soul and you were able to infuse those elements back into the current charts basically so this record was your third album made up of covers from the 60s so that that that's been really an interesting process because the authenticity of i think you used analog recordings and pressed it to vinyl so you did the whole shebang so that must have been like a dream come true to be able to put something like that together it really was. I worked with Concord Records on this one. We went to Sunset Sound and recorded the album between there and, and the Village Studios um, studio. Both of them are incredibly historical. And Sunset Sound, where I did most of the recordings with a live full band, including my dad and my mom, um, were part of it too again. Um, 
a lot of those artists have recorded these songs there in that studio back in the day. So I got to just like kind of be in these rooms and channel the same energy um, for, from the same artists that once upon a time laid down these tracks for the very first time. So it was a, it was a spiritual experience. Um, I, and basically I just took these songs that I'd been singing and I love with um, my family and their band since I was a kid once again. So um, it was a dream come true because looking back, it's going to be like one of those life experience things that I'll have for the rest of my life. Yeah, and that's proper full circle from the start of this conversation where I was talking about watch, you watching your parents perform to you getting your parents to perform on your record. So that was very, you kind of closed that loop as well. Yeah, yeah. And so um, a song I did on Idol, Peace of My Heart, I'm going to, I just recorded that song and I'm, it's on pre-order right now if anybody wants to check it out and buy it. Um, but it comes out on April 22nd. Um, and once again, I asked my mom and dad in Chicago to record it, send me over what they did playing guitar and doing the background vocals. And we just kind of did this crazy push. In, uh, I think I recorded like four different studios, but we put it all together and it's a really special track. Um, Janis Joplin's uh, Piece of My Heart. So I'm, I'm trying to uh, really keep it all in the family, especially like at a time right now when we're all at home and we're missing our family or we're just like with them, it's like, it's time to just get creative again and, you know, realize the crazy importance and bond that we have with our family. And they're so important to me. And I hope that people can, you know, take a song like this and a story behind it like this and connect to it in their own way. And that song's on the way soon. And if people want to check some of your music at the moment, your most recent album, Lo-Fi Soul, which is a great name, by the way. Thank you. What was the, that project like in terms of putting that album together? Because unlike the previous album, this is all your own stuff. Yeah, I finally got to really, I mean, kind of, I've always been a co-producer, but I really, really honed in and took old songs and re-recorded them and just really took my time. I mean, it was a quick process, but it, it, I'd had a lot of time to let certain songs breathe. So um, I, I, I did some really experimental stuff too and worked with different producers that were awesome. Um, one of my favorites is Rob Kleiner and there's this other guy who was new um, named Tony Esterly and he did some really cool stuff where I'd have like voice memos of, of like Honey, There's the Door, just the melody. And he actually would take it uh, and Put it, take it from my phone and put it through the computer and we would just use these lo-fi recordings of voice memos and it would just automatically have this kind of crunchier, you know, a little more retro sound to it. And I, I didn't even, that was on my radar. I didn't even know that, that those things were possible. Um, you know, so it was cool to like experiment and like kind of still put things like 808 bass underneath but have some very retro like, you know, reverbed out guitars and um, combine these two kind of sounds from yesterday and today. There's one song in particular, there's some really good songs on the track, but don't know how to love you. There's a version of that online and I encourage people to check it out. So it's like an orchestral version, which I think you did in Austria. And you're standing there singing this song that you wrote with this huge orchestra behind you. 
So that must have been a surreal sort of experience. Can you tell me a bit about what that felt like just to hear your own music played back to you? Yeah, this, uh, this was a crazy experience. I feel like my life is just one crazy roller coaster because things kind of just develop overnight. So I, I had about four days to prepare and learn four different songs for this um, documentary. And it was an amazing documentary that I think um, they're having to put a lot of these festivals on hold, film festivals, but it's called The Impossible Project. And it features um, this man, Doc, who, who is saving the last standing Polaroid factory. So he's keeping analog alive. And we're talking about the importance of analog versus digital and like what everybody thinks about this. I mean, it's a crazy cool topic. I personally think that we need both. We should allow them both to thrive and interweave. So anyway, I learned some really cool standards and I asked them if I could do one of my songs. So they learned it. This amazing man, Sasha, um, he uh, is the orchestrator and conducted the whole thing. And you watch it literally get made to the wax, to the vinyl. And um, they lit these candelabras. I mean, there was about, I was trying not to put too much hairspray in my hair because they're right behind me. Um, but we were in this hotel that's like, nobody's been in there for over 40 years. And it was built in like, the early 1900s so it had crazy energy going on um we're lit by just candlelight it's immediately going to tape i had my sister there with me which was special she helped me out um i mean it was it was an emotional experience and i live for this stuff like i uh, i almost didn't make it because my passport was <laughs> like six it, you have to have six months at least before it expires never knew this rule <laughs> so i missed my flight and my little sister's going alone to austria without me i'm like freaking out um but it, it all worked out um but that thank you for watching that it's it was a really special experience for me sunny day in all its glory hot as a fourth of july the wind came in and it graced my face and it led me to your eyes something told me i'd be seeing you again but for some reason i still cry now years have gone by i'm still by your side but there's something on my mind Oh, seems like It don't matter If I'm speaking my truth Or hiding something to protect my life And at the end of the day You still have something to say Can't get the blues off your mind For your embrace Cause I know that you need mine 
you mentioned it already but this is your first album as a fully independent artist so that seems like a lot of work where you're you're not just the musician you're also kind of looking after the little nuts and bolts and you're basically managing the process as well did you find that stressful or did you enjoy being really hands-on with everything both (laughs) it was uh it was a lot but it's always a lot like and you know sometimes it's more stressful when you don't know what's going on uh, at least for somebody like myself that's a Virgo and I need to know everything that's happening in, in my realm. So, yeah, and I, I started my own label, Reinhardt Records, and I was like, let's just do this. And you never know, like, maybe I find the right fit someday again, but um, all I know is the promises that I make to myself, I will keep. And that in itself is um, enough for me to just go off of my own drive my own instincts and vision Uh, and I have an amazing team behind me still that helps me do a lot uh, of the work but um, to be spearheading it I I really I couldn't be happier and this seems like the day and age where we're able to do that as artists more now than ever like I could not imagine artists doing their own everything um, even 10 years ago it's just it's a different world with this technology and the fact that you and I can be doing this and I didn't ask my publicist to arrange this. It's just things are made so easy and accessible to everybody. So yeah, I totally encourage all artists to just go off go off and do things and like don't hold back and, and hold on to music for no reason or waiting for the right thing to come along. It's like just get it out there, start start building this platform because you know, I've been in this game now for 10 years in L.A. professionally, and it's like, you have to start somewhere. So, you know, start. <laughs> yeah. And it's notable just from your social media alone that it's very much about brand building. So your photography is very good. Your 
your cinematography is very good on your music videos and stuff. So in the broader scheme of things with Reinhardt Records, would you be looking to get other people signed up to that? Would you like to be a manager as well and sort of have other people on your label or is it still very much the focus on your own career? Yeah, that's like the future, you know, like I definitely, I don't hold, um, or I mean, I don't say, I never say never. <laughs> so I think um, I would love to do that in the future. I first want to find a manager for myself because I'm currently managerless. So that would be great to have somebody that I re that really understands me and we work together seamlessly. Um, that's a goal that you know I'm not I'm not pushing or rushing uh, into anything. But when it happens, it happens. But I want to be able to help people. And and I, when I first posted that I did start a label, I got all this crazy talent hitting me up, and it was really like overwhelming in a beautiful way. And there's and I checked out a lot like most people and I was like wow I wish I was ready for that because I could see so much potential in them and what I could do for them so hopefully that that'll be something in the near-ish future and two things when I said I was going to be speaking to you two things that people told me to ask you about were so Anderson Pack, who's obviously a very brilliant mm -hmm. musician in his own right used to be a drummer in your band is that right yeah um Apparently, I think I gave him his start of like being in a band. Um, uh, it was my very first band here in LA, like straight off of the show uh, Idol, and it was I needed to get a band to um, learn my first album and covers, and you know we did a lot of gigs together. So I auditioned like over fifty people, and at, back in the day, his name was Breezy Lovejoy. So Breezy was like mind boggling to me. And I had my parents, of course, on the phone listening to people. And I'm like, do you guys hear this guy? Like, he is absolutely flawless. And his smile alone, like, was infectious and had a bright light. Around, he had a bright light around him. So I, I mean, instantly I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy is super talented. And I didn't even know that he sang at that point in rap. You know, like, he showed me some mixtapes once we started working together but I just feel honored to have been uh, uh, you know somebody to <laughs> give him an opportunity and I'm hoping we get to do something together at some point because it would be really cool. That'd be a great collaboration and speaking of collaborations the other person that people told me to ask you about was Jeff Goldblum who you contributed to his album so that must have been a pretty surreal experience as well. Yeah that was crazy uh, and it was very once again just a crazy fast experience and um just met him at this club that he performs at he's been performing at for like 25 years in LA called the Rockwell and um practiced once and then went on to Capitol Studios where they set it up to be like a night club scene just like the one where he plays at but then you have the pristine sound quality of the recording but yet there's people drinking and cheersing and <laughs> clapping and it was just a one take um you wow. know and it, the whole album was just one take with and i was sharing my my studio green room with sarah silverman and wow. it was a hoot you know um and he's amazing he's a character beyond characters and i'm just like really really grateful that he came my way and asked me to be a part of it it's awesome 
And was he what you expected him to be? Because like, there's a perception of just seeing him on talk shows and things that he seems a very particular type of character. But is he like that away from the cameras? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even more so. Like, he's just, he is a really cool, eccentric man. And he gives so much to the people, his fans. He's courteous and genuine in his in his you know true to him his really unique colors and i admire him so much for that yeah and we could talk about music all day but i should talk about your other interests as well and we talk about brands and a very notable part of your brand is that you've been on netflix for nearly five years now on f is for family and for someone who had such a great plan from a childhood right through to now i bet you never thought that you'd be voicing bill burr when you were when you were growing up one of like the greatest comedians of our time uh no i always love voices I'm, i've always been a weird little character with my friends and my family and done creepy little voices so yeah this uh, fell in my lap and i the whole cast is amazing surely i am the newest kind of member of the voiceover world um and you know justin long and laura dern and sam rockwell like these are these are like you know cream of the crop people so i'm just like in awe of it and it's and it's really funny and you know if there's kids out there maybe ask your parents or (laughs) or get to be uh 16 or something to watch but um it's it's really fun man it's it's like it's such a joy that I never even knew existed, you know? And season four, I think the, the exact date's not out yet, but it'll be sometime this year. And how did it come about, Haley? How did this opportunity, was it, did it just come across your music or, or how did it happen? No, I, I believe they found this audition tape that I made myself um, to audition for the... Um, Peanuts movie, so I was playing Charlie Brown, and I was actually a really good Charlie Brown, not to pat myself <laughs> in the back, but I was like, whoa, I kind of sound like Charlie Brown. Um, but they took all kids for that movie, so, um, but like a year later, I got called from these people uh, from the Ephesus for Family cast, and like, hey, can you come in tomorrow for like a cold read? And I heard from somebody that they, they'd heard that audition it got filtered around somehow like who knows it's just a very strange kind of thing um and i think it's kind of rare too like they didn't even make me audition um they they wanted me to come in and do it face to face so i had a whole board room meeting including bilber and all of the producers um and i just was reading aloud in front of them and it was i'd never done any any voiceover stuff other than that audition so it was um another like kind of crazy experience for me and I'm I'm, I'm uh, I try not to laugh while I'm recording because it is like it's really funny and it's hard not to laugh I, I can imagine and just on Bill Burr I read that you you actually opened for him at the Largo one occasion so were you singing or did you have to did they make you do a stand-up routine <laughs> I feel like half of my show ends up being a weird comedic banter uh, <laughs> at my own shows but no I was probably like scared stiff and just sang my songs and got out of there now I don't know it was like a trio of me and a real piano on stage because Largo is so old and cool and old school like that and I think I had a like a random like a, my friend playing saxophone and guitar so it was like a really neat weird setup um 
and yeah, like Bill, Bill is such a cool dude. He's so supportive of, you know, everybody that is on his team and around him. So for him to ask me to do that, we, we kind of were just starting to get to know each other. It was a, it was huge for me. That, that meant, that meant the world. Hmm. And lastly, before I let you go, um, have to mention that you've landed your first role in a feature film on um, yeah. Robert Rodriguez movie. So has that started filming already or has the current situation sort of knocked things back a little bit? Yeah, we're done. We filmed it. Um, I'm not really good at time frame, especially right now. <laughs> but I think it was last August or something, maybe July or August. But um, wow, that was such a cool experience. I He created a moment uh, for me in this film because I'm not like I don't have a million crazy lines to do or anything but he really gave me a couple moments to shine and um, he's a fantastic director first and foremost and human he's just like him and his family are also very creative like mine so we we connected right away and him and his daughter Rhiannon are actually they became fans of mine at the end of last year or maybe two years ago from the Goldblum stuff and different stuff. So they just contacted me directly and asked me if I wanted to be a part of this. And um, I've always wanted to be in film, not going to lie. So this was kind of the perfect first thing for me to really, um, you know, have, have an experience. And then I, I just flew to Austin and just filmed real quick and, and dipped out. And so they made it, he made it like so incredibly comfortable for me and easy. And um, it was just an incredible time. The whole cast was amazing. So I'm excited. It'll be on Netflix. And uh, all of these dates are kind of up in the air right now, but yeah. uh, it's looking like this year as well. So keep an eye out for We Can Be Heroes. Yeah, We Can Be Heroes coming to Netflix. And Haley, one more reminder, your new single is on the way. And what's the best place for people to go and get that? Yeah, it's uh, up for pre-order right now on iTunes. And that link is in all of my bios. If you go to at Haley Reinhardt on pretty much anything, all social platforms, follow me along. And um, yeah, it'll come out on properly on uh, Earth Day, I think, which is April 22nd. So check it out. Great. And hopefully um, you stay well and your tour is back up and running in the next few months. Uh, we never know how this thing's going to turn out, but hopefully things are back on track pretty soon. Thanks a million for taking the call. Thank you, Ronan. You're so sweet. And I really appreciate you um, contacting me to do this interview. It's really fun.
Nikon News Talk.